Hello, this is Ellis Prince, the pastor of the Gallery Church of Baltimore. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. I hope this teaching inspires you and gives you courage to pursue Jesus Christ. I hope that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. If we can help you in any way, please feel free to reach out. Now let's get back to the podcast. Good morning, Gallery Church. I'm Sarah. Nice to meet you. Oh, it's always a joy to be able to be here when I'm not at the hospital. <laughs> um, today I'll be your scripture reader, reading from John chapter 10. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it, bu- take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were, one, uh, were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. 
No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning for you for, for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart at his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. This is the word of the God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. I know that some of these chapters are long, and some of you might not ever volunteer to read Scripture for us again, but uh, please don't quit. It was, there's so much in John chapter 10 that I wish we had more time to go through all of it, especially that last scene of Jesus escaping them, trying to grasp him. I just want to go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago. I think we really believe that Jesus never did a push-up, um, but he had to, at some level, been, at, you know, physically like pretty cool man as well uh, but we don't have time to get into um, the Jesus doing um, push-ups but in John chapter 10 there's something two words in voices so we've entitled this teaching voice activated so I just want to ask how many of you have gotten into the Alexa craze any of you in here somebody willing to admit a few of you all right have you read the articles on why you shouldn't have Alexa in your bedroom um, she's always listening. Uh, it's pretty interesting research if you go and you listen to some of that. I, now, I've gotten into Siri, all right? Um, and I don't want her to respond right now. But uh, it's nice every now and then to say, hey, send a text message, draft an email, put a, put a date on my calendar, set an alarm for. Like, it's nice that there are, there's somebody listening and responding to you without talking back other than when they occasionally say, I don't understand, or could you say that again? I didn't hear you, or, or they get it wrong, and you can feel like you can say to them what you wish you could say to other people. Um, have you ever said anything to Siri? And she responded with, that's not nice. Uh, they've actually programmed her to say, I don't know why I know that, but, um, but I do know that life is about communication. All right, I, I need us to understand that. Like, we are here this morning because our faith in what we're talking about and the scriptures that we're reading in John chapter 10 is talking to us deeply about the fact that communication is very important. Communication is incredibly important between us and God, but communication is also incredibly important between us. 
Like sometimes the wheels just come off in communication, don't they? So why would we expect the wheels not to come off sometimes with God and sometimes to come off with a, a relative or a neighbor or a friend or something like that? Like Because communication takes a lot of effort, and it's in all human connection. Some of my neighbors would think that it's also between us and animals. By the way, I hear them talking to their pets. Um, and I appreciate the therapy aspect that animals bring to our lives. But communication is an incredible part of our faith and where we are. And the same is the ways in which we can communicate with God. Now, let me start by saying this. I need to preface this because there's two people in the room in particular that think that I'm talking to them directly. I just want you to know that John chapter 10 was scheduled over four months ago. We knew we were coming here. And just because the last few weeks we've been talking about this, I do not want you to feel like this was crafted to you. And there's at least four or five of you that were like, oh, great, that gives me a pass because I talked to Ellis about this last year. So he couldn't be thinking about me. And then there's several of you that have been talking to other elders or to your growth community leaders. So can we just all agree we have a communicating with God problem? And this isn't a targeted teaching. This is a teaching where we're saying we're going through the Gospel of John because John wanted people to understand that Jesus came into this world to reveal the loving power of God for us, the presence of God for us, the ability for us to interact with God, knowing the condition of the world. And if we understood the condition of the first century world, we would understand that they understood violence. We understand violence in Baltimore, but yet on the way to church today, we didn't see anybody hanging on a cross. In the first century world, it would have not have been uncommon for people to literally be going to the market and hearing the screams of somebody literally hanging on a tree. That was first century culture. So there's so much that you and I need to understand is that the people in the Bible felt things just the way you and I feel things. And so a lot of us right now at the phase of life where we are, we only can talk at God. We are so overwhelmed by our circumstances that we just want God's ear. I can remember when I asked Ginger to marry her, she had a sweet-ish grandmother and I can remember at this bridal tea, she, got, she caught wind that I was considering taking a job in California, and she grew up, my wife grew up in Virginia, and, my, and her grandmother knew quite well how far across the country that was, and her communication style was in front of my mother coming up to me and grabbing me by the ear and pulling me down to her level, and her words to me is, you're not taking my granddaughter to California and walked away. Lo and behold, she didn't know that my mom has smacked people before. <laughs> my mom did not strike this granny, but she really wanted to, I think, in that moment. But this is the situation. If, if communication is how we communicate, have we not wanted to grab God by the ear sometimes and really give him a, some words? Like we, we spent a few weeks ago in, uh, in Habakkuk, and Habakkuk was lamenting angrily, God, aren't you seeing what's happening? So communication can be us just literally talking at God. Some of us are actually in a place where we're trying to talk to God, almost like a, a, a friendship, like, you know, we're buds, like a fist bump God. Like, and today, football players are going to praise God because they scored a touchdown 
over another Christian player that was trying to keep them from scoring a touchdown. And like God is closer to me than he is to you, even though we know God's team is the Ravens, right? And so we, it's right. And that's one of the things I love about the church. Like Andre's earlier given the announcement about the Orioles and like half the audience cheers for other major league teams because of where we live in the city, people aren't just necessarily automatically Oriole fans, but uh, that's a whole nother conversation. But some of us are in a phase where we're listening to God. You don't know what to say. You're just sitting there basically saying, okay, God, if you're real, talk to me. All these different, there's different voices that are coming. And some of us are actually enjoying the presence of God. You've never felt a more rich time in your life. And so the diversity of our prayer life is coming together right now, knowing that some of you need us to talk about one thing and others of you need us to talk about something else. But I want to talk about the fact that the beginning of John chapter 10 has everything to do with what Jesus is saying to us. So there is communication happening. And it's very important that we draw into this. But some of you have been like, I just really want God to audibly talk to me. But have you ever been around somebody that came up to you so passionately like, I heard God speak to me. Have any of you ever had a friend, somebody, a relative come up to you? Like, man, I really heard God's voice. And you, you step back like, wait a minute, was it audible? Because generally we give prescriptions to people that you're hearing audible voices and nobody's present, Right? But sometimes in the church, there are people. There's actually a story in the Old Testament in Exodus 19 and 20 where God calls Moses to him, says to Moses, "Um, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speak with you and will always put their trust in you. So here's a moment. Moses has gone up. He's disappeared. He's with God. God wants to talk to the nation of Israel. He's like, I'm going to come down in a cloud, and I'm going to talk to you and them at the same time, ultimately so that I can just talk to you. And when you talk to them, they believe that you've been with me. Do you guys get the picture here? Like it wasn't where God wanted to make it an automatic pattern where he pulled the roof back on the 1840s building and spoke to all of us at one time. And so what God did was he told Moses, go and ask them if this is what they want. And Moses is like, okay, let me go down and ask them if this is what they want. And they said to to Moses, we will do everything the Lord has said. Like, could you see the enthusiasm? Like, they came out of Egypt. People were giving them gold and clothing and all this kind of stuff. We lose out on that aspect of the Exodus story where they're now getting weighed down by all this generosity from the Egyptians. They cross the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness for a few days. They're at Mount Sinai. They know Moses is up there. And next thing you know, Moses is coming down to talk to them. And God's like, hey, make sure they want to talk to me. And their response is, whatever you say, God, I'm all in. Now, let's fast forward. God comes down in the cloud. There was a distinct line around the mountain. They could come up to it, but they couldn't go too far. So they're all there, and Moses is making sure everybody's in line. Even the animals, like even the little chirping dog that somebody loved was like, you can't go past that line, right? And so they're all in order. You can read it in Exodus chapter 20. And then this is what the Lord says. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. This is to everybody. Like, it's not Ellis Prince's voice. Like, what would God sound like coming from a thundering cloud? And he says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a graven image. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Now, I'm skipping some extra words, right, just for the sake of time. 
You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or covet his wife or his servants. Or well, obviously it's an ox and a donkey, but that would be like his tractor and his car, right? Anything that belongs to your neighbor, you can't covet that. And then it says this, it says, when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and they heard the trumpet and they saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear and they said at a distance, like, could you imagine, like, they're backing up, backing up, like that line that was the mystical line, like, they're just backing up, they're just backing up. And then they say, Moses. Speak to us yourself. We will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Like, we want this idea that because we now have commercials where these, like, seat geek services, I believe, have a guy that's selling tickets and God's so proud, a hand comes down out of a cloud and you're like, high five. We have this casual relationship with God that if God actually spoke to us, our response would be, I feel like I'm going to die right? So the audible voice was so limited. Like there's places in the New Testament. Jesus' baptism is one of them. Jesus at the top of the Mount Transfiguration is another, where a voice from heaven spoke and people heard. Paul, who was Saul at the time, was on a road. He heard Jesus' voice. But outside of many of those circumstances, there's very few places where people heard an audible voice. But when God did speak about to people, and in front of the nation of Israel, he did it to say, listen to Moses. But when he spoke to, at Jesus' baptism, he said, this is in my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he says at the Mount Transfiguration in front of Peter, James, and John, um, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So this voice of affirmation was coming to another individual that was speaking on God's behalf. Because at the end of the day, guys, we all crave the audible God like this outside of our body voice. But if we really got what we wanted, we would have that moment, like the prophets in the Old Testament, where they're like, I am so undone. Like, just, I just need a fire to consume me because I am so unclean in your presence. And so Jesus came to work all that out so that he could be the consuming fire to regenerate us new into new life so that we could be in the presence of God someday. So the audible voice doesn't happen to many, but it has happened. And I'm not saying it might not happen for you, but I am saying that there is an internal voice of God that is very clear and very distinct. Yet we believe that there is a relationship with God that is formed in the midst of this type of communication. Now, many of us are um, trying to grow in our faith right now. And if we come to church for 45 minutes to an hour, an hour and a half to two hours, uh, depending on your time of arrival, um, we are in a situation where we get a chance to say, now, I, I, let me hear. Like, let me hear. But we need to figure out a way of saying on Monday, I need to hear. Tuesday, I need to hear. Wednesday, I need to hear. We need to work through that. And it's not easy so we need to hear from God, and we all have the ability to hear from God. But just because I say that doesn't mean it's easy. only reason that I'm saying it is just because it's true. And just because something is true doesn't mean it's necessarily easy. It's like it's true that I should not eat Turkey Hill fudge ripple ice cream every day. 
I, really, I shouldn't. Does that not mean that I want to? And my daughter would say, didn't you this week? Um, you know, it's like, so, like, there's things that we want to that aren't easy, but we need to. And it's hard, but it's true. So in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, Jesus is speaking in another parable, a metaphor, these allegories, these word pictures and things like that. And the Bible says on many occasions Jesus did it because he wanted people to understand. And then there's other places in the Gospels where it says he did it because he wanted to make it difficult for people to understand. And sometimes he did it just because he surely didn't want them to understand. So it's, it's, a, it's a tension between who's Jesus giving the parable to. There's even a moment where the disciples say to Jesus, I didn't understand it, and he explains it to them. And other times where he, they, they ask questions, and then he just moves on to another topic altogether. And I believe this to be true for you and I, because you and I have to be able to put some effort into what we're learning. We can't expect God to do all the work. And I also want to remind us of the, a couple of chapters ago. There's this need on this mountain where people were hungry and they were concerned that people need to be fed. And Jesus says to Philip, to what? Feed them, right? And Jesus did it for a test, all right? And we talked about the fact that a lot of things that we're going through are tests, and the motivation of God in giving us a test isn't to prove how stupid we are or how incompetent we are. His reason to give us a test is to know where we are so that he knows what to tell us next to get us to where we need to go. The test isn't to fail us. The test is just the where are you? What, what, is, what are you going through? What have you retained? You've read, you've listened, you've been to church, you've done all these things. A test comes. Now, what, what is now to be revealed in your story? So Jesus uses here a metaphor uh, about sheep and shepherds. And we live in the United States of America. We have to agree we know nothing about being a sheep or a shepherd. We might think we know, and some of you have been on like petting farms, or some of you did grow up in more rural parts of the country, but being a sheep and a shepherd is not a common aspect of our life, but it would have been a very common aspect in the first century world. Jesus was using a metaphor for them about sheep, shepherds, gates, sheep pens, going out in front. There's so many little statements in this that have so much meaning that we could probably spend another five or six weeks just on this one chapter to understand all the nuances of what's happening here. But I want to focus on communication because I believe Jesus in this parable, coming out of where we were last week in John 9, is wanting them to understand a very common teaching technique, sheep and shepherds, to reveal a very uncommon truth to his listeners. And so with that being said, John chapter 9, last week, the blind man was being healed through a series of spit and mud on a journey himself to a pool with nobody asked to guide him. After he washes, he reveals he's healed. He has an incredible interaction with family and friends through the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And then we find ourselves last week in verse 26, 27, and 28, where it says, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I have told you already. You did not listen to me. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? 
Then they hurled insults at him, these religious leaders. You are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. You know that God spoke to Moses. But as far as this fellow, we don't know where he comes from. So John 10 is a response to Jesus' interaction in John chapter 9 as a continuation of the story. There's, even though it's a chapter break, it's not like it's days later. This is a continued conversation. But here's the thing. In this passage, they're contrasting a couple of things. One is, is there's a shepherd wanting to protect sheep. And then there are thieves or strangers that are wanting to destroy the sheep. So we're going through this first part of John 10, and there's two different things competing in this particular passage. But they are both working at the same time on the same people. Can I tell you guys, this is so important for you and I right now to grasp in our faith in Baltimore in 2023 on September 10th, is that you have a voice of God and you have thieving voices, and you are the target of both. That's our day today. That'll be our day tomorrow. That'll be our day Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And so Jesus is speaking to that. So in John 10, verse 2, he starts out by saying, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Humans are designed to hear God's voice. Can I just tell you that? There's not a human on the planet that is not designed to hear God's voice. This isn't a parable about how sheeping and shepherding work. I don't want us to get distracted by the ways that this, like even a, several millennia later, I'm referred to as a pastor and you're referred to as sheep. Thank you. Somebody was brave enough to say, like this is the illustration that there's shepherds and sheep and all this. And so I don't want us to get distracted by the fact that we are trying to understand the truth and the characters and the metaphors. The truth that I want us to focus on today is that Jesus is speaking to us. And we have the capacity to heal. And there are thieves and robbers that are also speaking to us. And they have the capacity to still kill and destroy. All right? And the problem is, is they're doing it all at the same time. All right, now we're tracking. So you and I are designed to hear from God. Everyone is designed to hear from God. But we must see that this coming out of the discourse of the blind man is that a lot of people are having a hard time seeing Jesus. A lot of people are having a hard time hearing his words. And Jesus is wanting them to understand more fully who he is and what he's doing. So, so much of the world, which Jesus talked about, or John used the illustration a couple of chapters ago about the world was rejecting Jesus. Can I just tell you the world is rejecting Jesus today? And it's not just as it hit me the other night. Did any of you, by chance, take time to enjoy the light show over Baltimore Friday night? Any of you know what I'm talking about? All right, there's a couple of you. There was a spectacular light show. Thunder, lightning, clouds light, lighting up. I mean, I probably lost count after 100 lightning bolts. Like, it was Unbelievable. But it hit me on the roof that that's not the way God created the world. Because every lightning bolt was doing damage somewhere. It was beautiful to me 
So I'm sitting back thinking, wow, look at this. This is amazing. But you go back to the Genesis story. The earth was supposed to be watered and cared for by waters that were coming up from under the ground. So the storms in this world that we sit back and we watch like, oh man, I can't, like I'm videoing over here and there's a lightning bolt and then I'm too late for that and there's another one. And like I'm chasing my roof deck, trying to capture lightning bolts, just hoping that I get something Instagram worthy. And I spend 15 minutes missing them all and realizing that my camera can't even do them justice. But yet at the same time, I am videotaping what's broken in the world. We had a, a gift a number of years ago. We had a chance to go to a condo that a, a member of our church owned in North Myrtle Beach. And it was on the 14th floor of a building. Have you ever seen a thunderstorm in the summer from the 14th floor of a structure? Like you are at like the bottom of the cloud. So everything is going down away from you. Spectacular, but not the way God designed it. So, so much of the things that are broken and happening in the world, we can look at with beauty. And if we're not careful, the thieving voices can say, oh, do you see a little beauty in that? Let me pull you. This isn't, this isn't the way God wanted it to be, but you know what? Hey, do you see the beauty in this? And so much of our life is trying to determine, is this the way God wanted it? That's why John started out with John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was basing Jesus in the creation narrative because he wanted to show how Jesus was wanting to restore it all back to Genesis 1 and 2 before sin took over and started destroying us on so many different levels. And so with this internal voice of God, God has come in Jesus Christ to dwell amongst us. And he's come to be a voice that continues to guide us on the path. God wants to speak to us. He wants to be personal. We're in a room today, and I hope there's some collective listening. But I also hope that you sitting there today can just say, God is meeting me in this moment and he's talking to me. It's like, how can he be sitting next to my wife and sitting next to you at the same time, but somehow he has a way of just talking to us individually? He calls us out by name and leads us out. Can I tell you something? Honestly, I am tired of being led out. Could God just teleport me somewhere? Can I, can, I, can I just tell you, sometimes him leading you out of a situation is you have to still walk through a tough situation to get out of it. Like, you, like the, yeah, the Under Armour motto, like, could they please take it off the billboards? The only way is through. No, there's teleportation. Watch Star Trek, right? Like, can we not in some way get to the point where we don't have to walk through our struggles? But yet Jesus is calling us out in them and saying, let me walk ahead of you. And there's comfort in knowing that we can bury our face in his back and he can get us out of very dark and difficult times in our life. But we need to know the voice. Sometimes people ask me all the time, what's the measure of Christian maturity? I think today, if I was to give an answer on that based upon this text, I would just say the measure of Christian maturity is our comfortable discerning Jesus' voice in our life. A lot of times we put other metrics on Christian maturity, like how much you serve or how much you give or how much, many verses you've memorized and things like that. But I think true Christian maturity is us identifying God's voice, so therefore we serve. Identifying God's voice, therefore we read. Identifying God's voice, therefore we're praying. Like, if you and I are hearing God's voice, 
then I believe that there's something that God can be doing in and through us. But let me remind all of us, God has to lead us through it. We're not teleported out of it. So you still feel the pain in this world. We still feel the struggle. We still feel the hurdles that we have to overcome. But yet we can know his voice. When we moved here to Baltimore back in 2008, my kids were much smaller than they are today in the room. And one of the things we wanted to do was to keep them safe while we were here. And so my wife is a phenomenal teacher. Just go back on our YouTube channel, look at how many extra views she gets over me when she teaches here on a Sunday. Um, but she was great with our kids too. And so rather than telling them they couldn't ride their bikes or ride their scooters or their roller bays on the sidewalk, we actually had intentional times where we would go outside, we would stay in one place or walk behind them, and we would tell them, go ahead, but as soon as you hear us, you, as soon as you hear our voices, you gotta stop immediately. Because do you know one of the most dangerous places in Baltimore to get hit on something is the transition between a sidewalk and a side alley. Because many of you, don't stop at the edge of the building and then ease forward. You drive like the stop line is the driver's mirror that's the parallel parked car on the edge of the street, which is like 12 feet shorter than you should be stopping. And so if you have a small child, the worst place to see them riding a bike or a scooter is that gap between the blocks where people are coming out of their homes and driving too fast everywhere. So we would practice stop or yelling their name, Caleb or Lauren, and they would immediately, and we made a game out of it. But there were times where we actually had to use it, but because we rehearsed it, we were successful in avoiding a few different difficult times. And it's crazy how our voices can get tuned to a voice in the midst of all the other noises. Because we were teaching this to our kids, there were still other kids screaming. Like playgrounds. Like, have you ever been with a parent at a playground when their kids are playing? A thousand kids can fall off the monkey bars, but they know their kid's voice when they're crying and they can ignore all the other voices that they don't care as much about, right? And for the, in one of the other funny voices that we used to have in our church and a few of you that have been around for a few years, um, do you not miss the grunts of Bob Turner? I mean, I'm, we, Bob retired, went to Florida like everybody else does or south from here to be closer to family and enjoy life. But I miss him sitting approximately where Lauren is. And every time he heard a baby cry, he'd go, <laughs> you know, he's like, don't they be in Gallagher kids? You know, it's like, you know, he, he just, I just miss, we, we all knew Bob's voice. We all knew Bob's noises. Like we could be in the middle of worship and know that Bob was talking or engaging because we knew his voice. We loved his voice. We miss his voice. And we're designed to know voices. We're designed to know voices when there are other voices that are competing for our ears. And you and I, have we learned to distinguish Jesus' voice out of all the other voices? Verse 5 says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Isn't it crazy how your brain is inside of your body, but yet you don't control it? Like, I can control my hand. Like right now, I'm just like thinking, wave, and I'm controlling it. But my brain is inside my body, and sometimes I'm just like, what in the world are you doing to me right now? Why am I thinking about this? Why is this voice in my head? Have you ever been on the phone with somebody, having a serious conversation, 
and somebody walks into the room and talks to you like they're the voice you should be listening to? My wife is laughing because this is one area where she's incredibly guilty and needs to confess. <laughs> Generally, it's me that needs to confess here on a Sunday morning, but I could be on the sofa talking to somebody and she'll just walk right up to me. Who is it? 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 I'm like, I'm talking to my mom or, you know, like whatever. Like, it's just, it's just one of those funny moments. But then have you ever tried to listen to both people at one time? I don't care if you have one of those fancy headsets in your ear. You know, I, like, I, I love Zooming with Bryant because he has this really cool headset that lets him focus and type and read and walk around. I don't care how expensive your headgear is or how cheap your headgear is, but when a physical person walks in the room, gets in your face and starts talking to you, I don't care who you're listening to. They, both people are talking and you're not retaining anything, let alone when you end multiple voices and, and it's hard to delineate. And you and I are underneath a crazy amount of voices. A crazy amount of voices. Trying to get the singular attention of our mind. I shared this with our covenant family in the spring. Um, which I mind you guys, we're getting ready to go into a new covenant family year. So we'll be talking more about that in the next couple of weeks. But we were having a special covenant family meeting. We were talking about some stuff. And what hit me was... I remember driving my car on trips before Spotify and Pandora and all these other experiences where it was tape players and I remember my first um, disc player and then multiple disc player in a car, but the standard mode of listening in the car was what? Radio. So you would drive a lot more than we do today without seatbelts. <laughs> And I used to lay in the back window of the car as a kid. You know, it's like all this stuff that we can't do nowadays. I remember, I remember riding in the back of pickup trucks on in interstate trips. There's things that you just don't do anymore. But the one thing that I remember is that when you would dial into a radio station, eventually on the trip, what starts happening to that radio station? It gets static or the, the frustration of two channels competing at the same time. It's like I'm listening to my genre of music and country music starts to win the battle. <laughs> country music is not my genre of music. And I'm sitting there like, oh, come on, stick with me. And you try it one point to the left and one point to the right because you want to finish. Or if you're listening to a sporting event, which I prefer to travel long trips, listening to a ball game or listening to something that's like a, a voice. But the farther you travel and the weaker the signal gets because you're at a stationary point. And I believe that that's a fantastic illustration for us today because when you and I are traveling in a car, we need to understand that where we're going and the traveling begins to win out when you're getting closer to the voice that's broadcasting. And for you and I, we need to understand that the voice of Jesus wins out when we're moving towards him. And if we're not moving towards him, we have a hard time on many occasions actually receiving what he's saying to us. So we need to figure out a way of, like Paul told the church in Rome and he told the church in Ephesus and, and in Colossae, how do we control our mind? How do we silence voices that are there? Some of us maybe are having a hard time hearing God's voice, and it's not just the voices, it's the addictions that we have in our life. 
We've introduced other substances that are impeding our ability to hear or to listen. Some of us are using um, our, our streaming services as a voice that's louder than God's voice or so many ways in which we are just allowing ourselves to keep our minds too busy where we can't slow it down. And Jesus is saying that there are thieves that are trying to steal. And if you knew thieves were trying to steal, would you do something about it? Like, if you knew that your house was targeted in Baltimore for a crime spree, would you literally turn your ring cameras off or turn your ring so you could watch them carry out your possessions? Would you knowingly do that and do nothing? Or would you actually take time to do something? But the thing is that these thieves aren't trying to steal your stuff. They're trying to steal your mind. Because they know if they can steal your mind, they can impact your soul. That they can disrupt the true person that God intended you to be. They're trying to steal your life. They could care less how much is in your bank account. They could care less where you bought your furniture or how much technology you have in your space. These thieves are wanting to steal your life. Rob, steal, kill by taking ownership of your thoughts. The strangers are speaking into your soul. The good shepherd is speaking into your soul. Which voice are we listening to? But did you catch in this chapter that Jesus changes metaphors? This is the problem. Because when you're a good writer, you don't change metaphors in the middle of your sentence or in the middle of your thought. But he goes from being the shepherd to being the gate. But in the opening, he's like, I'm the shepherd, and then the, gates op- the gatekeeper opens the gate for me and the sheep. Like, and then he goes on and says, okay, you don't understand, so let me change it up. Now I'm the gate. But here's the thing that's consistent throughout the entire metaphor. We're the sheep. That doesn't change. But this idea that Jesus is now the gate is saying to us, listen to this, chapter 10, verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them, and I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I kind of imagine this, like you get around Jesus, and you know you're safe in his presence, so you don't mind going in and going out and playing and moving around, because as long as you know Jesus is there, all the thieves and robbers and stealers have to stay away. It's a beautiful imagery. But the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that you may have life. God wants to silence the voices around us, but the problem is, is that's not how God works. The voices in our prayer life shouldn't be God silence the voices, should be God show me how to listen to your voice. Because so often what's happened is, is voices have gotten our head saying you're not good enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not valuable enough. You're not healthy enough. You're not like all these things. God, isn't God, does, God doesn't have your back. Like all these voices get into our head. And God's not interested in silencing them. He's interested in empowering you to silence them yourselves. Because you and I, did you catch this? Did you hear verse 8? But the sheep have not listened to them. So the voices are still chirping, but the sheep choose not to listen to them. So who ultimately has their hand on the control volume of the voices in our life? You and I do. The voices we dial up or the voices we dial down, down are in our control. What was that? (laughs) Sorry. 
I'm going to have to have a service my family doesn't attend. I believe that God is saying to you guys today this. I am speaking to you, but you control the volume. You control which voice you're listening to. Approach me. Get closer to me. Get closer. Come closer. Let's talk. But it's not let's talk and like we're sitting in a little campfire. He's like, let's, t- let's talk and let's walk out of your circumstances. I want to take you somewhere. Like, I want to meet you where you are, but where you are isn't healthy for you. I know I need to get you. Trust me, I can take you to where you can get fed. I can take you to water. I can take you to the places that you need to go. You and I have been designed by God to hear his voice. But we live in a world of anti-voices. They're against you. And I love the way at the end of this passage, Jesus takes it from listening to voices to saying, if we listen to his voice, I'm going to bring life. Like the response to Jesus's voice is life, but the response to the world's voices is death, destruction, theft. And he's like, I've come to give you life. So why would we not want to dial up the voice that wants to give us life? Jesus is saying to them, I've come to give you life. And so some of you today are hearing Jesus' voice as a good shepherd. And some of you are hearing it for the first time. And so today, a simple way of acknowledging his voice is just saying, Jesus, I hear your voice. Jesus, I want to be in your pen. Jesus, I give you my life. Like, I know your voice is true. I know that you're, that you're the one sent to forgive me of my sins. Like, you are knowing it in your spirit because he's talking to you, and you have the opportunity today to respond with your voice saying, Jesus, I know you're the good shepherd. I give you my life. And so our worship team is going to come up and lead us in a song as we get ready to come to the Lord's table. And as they're getting ready, I want to give us all an opportunity to just take a minute and take a deep breath and listen to all the voices around us and figure out how to find the knob to turn some of them down. And asking God, show me Jesus's voice out of all the voices. I want to turn him up. Because to be honest with all of you right now, I don't think there's a one of us in this room that God is cold shouldering, is silent towards That is not a loving and merciful and compassionate God. But he is well aware that there are a lot of voices that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So Father, I ask in the name of Jesus right now for my brothers and sisters that are struggling to hear your voice, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would have just unbelievable mercy Father, there were a few people in Scripture that had very unique encounters with you, and some of my brothers and sisters are desperate for something highly unique and personal. Father, would you please do that? Father, some of my brothers and sisters have heard your voice, but now they need to start trusting your voice. And Father, the way that they trust your voice is they start turning that up and start turning down the other voices. So Father, today, would you give them the courage to turn that volume up on the voice of God in their life. Father, some of the knobs on the board sometimes feel broken. There are some people and voices in our life that just seem to be screaming at us an anti-life. They're against our life. 
they are against our wholeness. They continue to bring up our past. They continue to bring up our mistakes. And they won't set us free. Father, I pray today that your power through the Son's sacrifice for us, his body being broken, his blood being poured out, would be a healing balm for so many who are trying to get these negative voices, these stealing voices, these killing voices, these destructive voices out of their mind. Father, help us today to win the battle of our mind. We want our mind to be a place of safety for us because it is in control by the spirit of the living God. So Father, for those of us that need a complete rewrite, would you make us totally new? And Father, for those of us that have had moments of your voice, Father, would you continue to assure us that you're ahead of us, calling out to us this week, taking us through. Church family, we're going to move to the Lord's table. And I, I know that many of you have gluten allergies. I want you to know that the bread on the table is gluten-free. But we're going to come to the table during this song, and we are going to take the bread and we're going to hold it up to one another. We're going to dip it in the cup. And we're going to say, this is his body broken for you. This is his blood shed for you. And then we're going to take this in remembrance of him. And as a church family, we do this in smaller groups because we want it to feel like a little mini meal as a way of a reminder to the meal that Jesus had with his disciples so that we can come and remember how Jesus knew our condition and he wanted to make us new. But he also asked us to do what he's done and to take and invite others to the table. And so this is a way for us to remember and to practice our faith. And so during this song at any point in time, I just ask that if you're a follower of Jesus and you wanna participate with us, that you would take time to step to the table, follow one of our regulars lead and just step up around the table and go through this together because his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for our forgiveness. And he did this so that we could silence voices and follow his. And in so help silence voices so others can follow him. So Lord, we thank you for this bread and this cup. And we do this now in remembrance of you. So Father, we're asking you to speak individually and corporately to us right now. Guide us, Lord, lead us as you've promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gallery Church Podcast. I want you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your mind and heart. Let Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, do the deep work that only He can do. I want to say thank you to everyone who gives to the church. Your gifts make this podcast and ministry possible here in Baltimore and other parts of the world. You can be a part of our work by going to gallerychurchbaltimore.com give or by downloading the church app from the app store. You can also subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening or watching, and may God's grace and peace be with you.